Our scripture lesson this morning is a short one, a powerful reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Today is a day in which we celebrate <coughs> freedom. We use freedom a lot in our language. Uh, Independence Day, uh, an interesting form of freedom. The day in which we celebrate that the United States of America was separated from the British Kingdom uh, that had its dominion over the United States. And, you know, Remember all the history lessons, Revolutionary War, and all of that kind of stuff. It is very peculiar for uh, for us to be celebrating uh, on a Sunday like this. I, I can't recall. I mean, I guess it's been probably about seven years ish. It's about the cycle. The, the last time the uh, July Fourth fell on a Sunday. But it's it's a unique time, and and I must say um, that that uh, so I'm in a group of. of other pastors and we talk all the time about just everything that goes on in the life of our church and we were all making like friendly wagers on how many people we actually expected to show up at our churches this morning because you know it's, it's a holiday people are out you know, at the beach doing their cook cookouts and uh, preparing fireworks and all that sort of stuff and i'm sure you probably still have that in the cards for you but i do appreciate you all being here this morning because yeah uh it wouldn't have been the first time that I've preached to an empty sanctuary, but uh, it's definitely <laughs> nice not to have to do that. Uh, but today we celebrate that concept of freedom. We even attest in, in, in much of the uh, doctrine of the United States of America, land of the free. What an interesting concept freedom is, to be free, to be truly free. And what then is the purpose of this freedom? What is freedom? What is the purpose of this freedom? Uh, two weeks ago, I'm trying to think. Yes, last weekend. Man, goodness, it's hard to keep track of dates. Last weekend-ish, uh, my wife and I celebrated our five-year anniversary. And it was uh, very exciting, but we, we did so at her sister's wedding, so that was also very fun. Uh, but every anniversary of ours, we go back and watch our uh, wedding video just get to watch through that entire ceremony and it is uh, just astonishing getting to go back and look at that and see what all went into that day. But one of our favorite parts of watching our wedding video, I mean truly, I, I, this, is, this is no joke, one of our favorite parts, aside from getting to pick out people we didn't notice who were there before, is listening to the homily that was given at our wedding. I know that sounds super cheesy to pastors. The favorite part of their wedding video is the homily. It's, it's, it's not because it is the homily. It's because of the homily that was given. Our homily was given by a man named Dr. Jason Borders. He's the professor. Of, he's one of the professors of religion, specifically New Testament, at Huntington College, which is our alma mater. He's also the theologian in residence at uh, First United Methodist Church of Montgomery, where Kristen and I both served as interns for much of our college life, and where we got married, and where we were, where we were also commissioned into the church. Um, and so he he is a very dear friend, but also one of the most influential people in our Christian faith journey. 
Uh, he is also one of the most, if not the most, intelligent people you could ever meet. I mean, just a brilliant mind. And whenever we were preparing for our wedding, we knew that we had lots of people that we had to go and talk to and ask, hey, would you uh, be willing to do this as part of our wedding? Um, our friend, the Reverend Dr. Woods Lisenby, who's the associate pastor of Adolphinway, was the one who uh, married us, who presided over our wedding. Uh, Reverend Jillian Walters, who's Woods' sister and also an associate First Montgomery, read scripture. We had all of these people we were asking to do different things, and we took uh, Dr. Borders and his family out to lunch one Sunday to ask his children uh, if they would be uh, the acolytes for our wedding and to ask him if he would give our homily. And they were so gracious and said, of course, we would love to. We would be honored to be a part of your special day. And Dr. Borders got to that inevitable question, what would you like for me to speak on? And Kristen and I, knowing how amazing this man is, and I truly cannot say that enough, just absolutely brilliant. We said, with all excitement, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. And so, come to our wedding day, uh, we, we get to that moment in the homily, and he stands up there and says, whenever Kristen and I first approached me to give the homily at their wedding, I asked them the question, what would you like for me to speak on? And they said, whatever you want says, whatever I want. You can imagine that I've been looking forward to this time for a very long time, because we gave him complete freedom to talk about whatever he wanted in our wedding. Pretty dangerous thing. And so he starts out very kindly talking about his, uh, his encounters with us, the first time he got to meet us and how he got to know us and, and how our friendship had flourished. And then he got into the actual homily talking about whatever he wanted. And he said, you know, typically when you come to a wedding, you expect to hear a homily on something like love, or I don't know, love. He said, so naturally, whenever I think Kristen said that I could talk about whatever I want, I figured we'd talk about slavery. Yes, that is what he talked about at our wedding. And to this day, it remains one of my favorite homilies, if not messages uh, in its entirety. We talked about slavery. Slavery, however, in the context of freedom. You see, whenever we think of freedom, we often do think of whatever we want. To do whatever we want. But what is interesting, he talks about in his homily, is that whenever you get married, you kind of lose the freedom to do whatever you want. Don't know if you've experienced this in your own life, but certainly uh, in, in our marriage, we don't, get to, we don't get to do whatever we want. We think about one another and what the other's opinion might be, a perspective on it, uh, and that's how a marriage works, thinking about more than one person. So in that sense, and he goes on, uh, Dr. Borders goes on in his homily to make all of the, the different jokes and cliches that come with a wedding, such as the old ball and chain, or that, uh, that marriage is a three ring circus, engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. <laughs> a bunch of these kind of, uh, <laughs> bunch of these kind of cliches that do allude to one truth that exists in marriage. You don't get to do whatever you want to. 
And Dr. Borders goes on to say that this might seem like a loss of freedom, but according to everything present in the holy text that we call our Bible, true freedom does not come in doing whatever we want. Why? Because doing whatever we want, well, that ends up being incredibly selfish. It's just the way it is. If I do whatever I want, I'm just focusing on myself, aka selfishness. To do whatever I want has very little concept of others. And believe it or not, our faith, the faith that we practice, has very little to do with just one person. In fact, it is very much a communal faith that we participate in, a communal theology, a communal grace. Even our God is in community. Our God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. We have a communal faith, and as such, selfishness doesn't really click in this faith. In fact, pretty much every form of sin that shows up in our sacred text and that has been discerned through scripture, reason, tradition, and experience has to do with some form of selfishness, focusing on just one's self. And this type of selfishness ends up becoming a bond of slavery. Uh, in our Galatians passage today, I know we had a very short bit of it all, but the full chapter of Galatians chapter 5, and really the full book of Galatians, is all getting to this one thing, this one point, that you were slaves to sin. Now, become slaves to one another. And now I must put out a little distinct reminder there that, that this word that, that we translate, at least in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and in other versions as well, as slave, isn't the same kind of slavery that uh, has a gruesome mark on our history. It's not that same kind of slavery in which people were forced into slavery, taken from their homeland and forced to do labor to build up our own comfort. No, it's a different kind of slavery. Uh, it's the kind of slavery that often gets translated into servant, servitude in other forms as a servant kind of slavery, a kind of slavery that says, I am willing to submit myself to you, to consider that you are just as human as I am and that there might be something that I can do for you. And so in our text, we have Galatians 5, 13 and 14, author writing, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. In other words, your freedom is not for you to do whatever you want. But through love, become slaves to one another. Interesting. Paul has called, or the author, debatably Paul, has called us to consider that freedom is found as we submit to one another in love, as we become slaves to one another of love. You see, our freedom, the, ball, the, the Bible, I'm trying to unite two words here, uh, our freedom, the Bible asserts, is for our flourishing 
Freedom is for our flourishing. Only this comes not through everyone doing their own thing, but rather by mutuality. This is a weighty word, mutuality. To consider another individual, to be mindful of another person. Mutuality is something, uh, is a concept in which we make room for one another, that we acknowledge our need for one another. This is something that we see quite often in many other areas of our life. Take uh, team sports for just a moment here. We're getting really close to football season and I'm super pumped, looking forward to how that's gonna shape out because for, uh, for this year, I'm gonna go ahead and stake, uh, stake my pride on this. Auburn is going to beat Alabama, and I'm looking forward to it. There we go. <laughs> looking forward to it, so it's going to be a good football game. Uh, but in team sports, you know, we, we, we have a few players that we'll highlight as key players, but we recognize that it cannot be a single person who makes that team what it is. If it's just the quarterback on the field up against the rest of the, of the entirety of the other team, that quarterback doesn't get very far, do they? Sometimes I don't get very far to begin with. Alabama's going to be recognizing that a lot this year. <laughs> but each player relies on the other players and as a team effort to succeed, to flourish as a team, as a team, recognizing that they need one another, recognizing that they can't just do whatever they want. Perhaps you've seen kids playing uh, peewee football or, or you know, some, some form of flag football, and it kind of is, depending on the age, just kind of a, a, an experience where there are a couple of kids on the field and they're just doing whatever they want. And if you've seen this before, you know it's not the most successful strategy to, to, to getting the football from one side of the field to the other. It may work depending on how much of the other team is doing whatever they want, but just doing whatever they want doesn't get them very far. It takes meticulous structure, it takes mutuality, recognizing a necessity to rely on one another. The same is also true in marriage. As Kristen and I have learned over five years, and we have not had, the, had a perfect marriage by any means, we have had a very happy marriage, uh, but definitely not a perfect marriage. We've had many silly disputes, and yes, just about every single time we've fought, it's been over something absolutely ridiculous and pointless, and we look back on it and say, why on earth did we let our pride get so out of control? Well, it's because we had to recognize that we can't just do whatever we want. That I can't just do whatever I want and expect that to be perfectly fine with Kristen and for her to go along with it and us to be completely happy. And her the very same. We have to consider one another in our marriage and how each one of us relies on the other, works with the other. Our freedom is our flourishing, the Bible asserts, but we must redefine what freedom means to us. Uh, in just a, a few, minute, few moments, we'll be participating in the sacred sacrament, it's a bit redundant, but the sacred sacrament of Holy Communion, in which we will be uh, taking of the bread and the cup, remembering these things. But part of this liturgy began earlier in the service with the invitation, confession, and pardon. And you can go back onto page 12 in your hymnal to, to revisit this if you would like, but we get to the prayer of confession. 
And we confess as a community all of these ways in which we have not been the best that we could be. All of these ways in which we have put ourselves before God's will. And at the end of this prayer of confession, we say the words, Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Free us for joyful obedience. It sounds like a redundant expression to be free for joyful obedience. But this, however, is what freedom looks like. To submit in love. Why? Well, the thing about being a human being is we just naturally submit ourselves to something. Always. Whether that be our own pride, whether that be our families, whether that be uh, our sports team, something in our life has more power and control over us than other things. That's just the natural way of our human existence. And so, Scripture calls us to reorient that capacity, the way that we submit ourselves to things in our life, to be toward one another. Author of Galatians says, For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How powerfully simple that is. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, so whenever, whenever our communion liturgy says, Free us for joyful obedience, it is obedience to simply this commandment. To love our neighbor as ourselves. We've just gone through our series on the art of neighboring, and so this might feel like beating a dead horse here, but it is the single most important commandment that we can ever embrace, the commandment to love. And when we approach this line of free us for joyful obedience, it is obedience to this commandment, obedience to love, to submit to one another in love. And so my challenge for each of us today, on a day in which we celebrate freedom, and what freedom looks like in our world. I want us to redefine what freedom means for ourselves and to then use our freedom to become slaves of love to one another. Dr. Borders in his homily to, uh, at our, on our wedding day gave us very much the same charge. He turned to speak directly to us in the middle of the homily or towards the end of the homily said, Kristen and Mike, I'm speaking directly to you. But in this whole charge, in which we started this homily with the word slavery, he calls us to submit to one another in love. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Because love makes everything else matter. See 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the whole love verse. Because love is patient, because love is kind, because love does not envy. It goes on and on. Love fulfills all the law and the prophets. And so, in our freedom, our God calls us to submit to one another in love. Love. And I know that sounds super cliche, particularly right here in the middle of the church. But that's what it's all about. Loving one another. All of one another. 
Let us pray.